right, welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. Nice to see you, Anthony. It's been, it's been, a, been while. a while. It really has. We'll see more than enough of each other next week. That is true. Uh, Anthony and myself were on a 440 flight to Charles de Gaulle on Friday, uh, connecting there and going uh, to Budapest, which is a great starting point for our annual uh, trip with Wild fans. So we have a good group going, about 20 or so people. We go from there to, I, actually, I... I don't remember yeah. which order, but I know we leave from Prague, <laughs> yeah. so it must yeah. be Vienna, must be in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Prague, and we're going to Bratislava for lunch, so maybe we'll find a couple of uh, top hockey players that were drafted last week. And then we end in, and we end in Prague, that's it. So we do Vienna, then Prague. And then I'm actually staying a couple extra days for a little work assignment, which uh, all Wild fans will want to see eventually. That'll be a fun uh, story as well. I just got back from Montreal. I covered the Stanley Cup final and the Eastern Conference final, so I was gone May 27th to June 26th, and uh, still getting back to uh, feeling like myself, and just got back from Montreal to draft the Wild. Uh, two first-round picks, eight players put into the organization, and um, and again, uh, you know, you got to hand it to Judd Brackett. All the all the people that are that are paid to know about draft picks all are raved about the Wilds draft. It sure sounded like it, and the I thought it was interesting. You never know. I mean, not, we don't know anything about most of these players, but the one, the big Swedish winger they, that they took with the first pick, there were a lot of teams that apparently had Ogren. had some point mentioned him as a guy they were targeting at some point in the middle of the first round. So, And it it seems to all follow the theme of the type of player Billy's looking for right now. So I, I was excited about it. I think was a little bit surprised that there wasn't a little more hesitancy from teams to draft Russian players. Yeah. It was pretty interesting, though. I mean, you know, if you read between the lines of what Judd Brackett uh, said to us when he talked to us after uh, the draft, um, you know, they took Danilo Yurov at 24. What it sounds to me, though, is this is one of the first times in history that a scout, that they have a list and that they actually took the guy that was below um, their second first-round pick first. And it, he, he really felt it was a strategic decision. He felt teams were avoiding Russians because of the obvious of what's going on right now in the world and, and, and essentially what's going on with the kid from Philadelphia and how tough it is to get guys over here. And so what he did is they took Ogren with the first pick, banking on the fact that Yurov would still be there at 24. And what do you know? They get both guys they wanted at 19, at 19 and 24. So it certainly sounds, I mean, we'll have to see three, four years from now how this starts to pan out, but it certainly sounds like the Wild um, did some pretty good strategy. And this Yurov guy, I mean, you know, a lot of people thought he had top 10 talent, so we'll see what he progresses. I, it was, I listened to or read a few of the scouting directors and general managers who had just made the comment that they didn't shy away from Russian players. They maybe bumped them down a little bit, mm -hmm. but because of the fact that they said it's going to be two, three, four years before we're even trying to get these players over. Right. So who knows what the world is going to be like at that point to change your strategy now based on trying to predict that seemed silly. But I, I just, I thought there would be more hesitancy from, from teams to, to go down that route. Right. See. And we saw with who's enough, right? He resigned for two years there at 19, but what's the worst? It's 21. It's not like, hopefully he doesn't resign again, but it's not like when Kaprizov did it and they, the wild didn't get him until 24. You know, you're still getting Who's Not Dinov at 21 as long as he comes over. And Who's Not Dinov still, I mean, I pay attention to him on social media. I talk to him every now and then in, in direct messages. You know, when the Wild drafted Yurov the other day, he was all excited in his Instagram story. So just the fact that this guy is still paying attention to the Wild and all that thing, I think that's a good sign for the future. And that's always the signs that I used to get from Kirill Kaprizov as well, is anytime the Wild put out a tweet or an Instagram message, he would like it. Um, it just shows that 
in the end game, uh, they see themselves in this franchise, and I think that's a good sign about who's not Dinov. Um, let's, before we get to uh, the Kirill Kaprizov situation, um, let's talk about the whole goaltending situation. So that was an interesting um, uh, um, day. Uh, it starts with, uh, so that morning I happened to, uh, I rented a Tesla. Did you? Yeah, I kind of wanted to buy one now. Um, so I rented a I Tesla. You just got a new car. Well, so, well listen, so I, I go to Hertz, downtown uh, Montreal to rent a car. And the woman's like, all right, we only have Teslas. I'm like, what? Like, like I don't know how to drive a Tesla. Like, I, I always just see YouTube videos of like, it looks like a spaceship just getting in it. So anyway, she gives me the keys. She's like, you'll be fine. And I'm like, okay. So I go down to the, the lobby of this, the fifth floor of this building in downtown Montreal, right across from the Bell Center. And I can't even figure out how to turn, like open the door to the car. Cannot figure it out. I'm, on, I'm Googling how to open the door. I'm following like instructions on there. Then I get in the car. I'm like, how the F do you turn this thing on? It was just insane. So finally, I like storm upstairs. I'm like, I need some help. I need you to come down there. And it took her 10 minutes to give me the uh, tutorial. But then once I got going, man, that thing is pretty swift. So it basically drives itself. So that was pretty neat. So anyway, so I go up, um, so the reason why I rented the car is I'm doing this giant project um, for the athletic that is going to be really, really neat. And I've been assigned four or five, like, um, you know, essentially future Hall of Famers to do. And one of the people that I requested was Flurry. But since we were in Montreal, I asked, I asked Mark andre if we can actually meet in person. And he's like, yeah, just come up, come up to my place. So I go up there, and I'm in his house when, when it was tweeted by a insider that he had signed with the Wild. And I'm like, uh, and he's sitting across from me, which right away is like embarrassing, okay? It's like, I'm like, did you just agree to a one-year deal while I was sitting here? He's like, no. And, and then I look, and eventually the tweet was deleted. So it wasn't true at that point. Um, so that was pretty interesting. So just judging from talking to him during that whole interview, I, I, we sat outside. I mean, what an incredible home he lives in. Like right on the St. Lawrence River, these just giant barges are going out to the ocean. It's just so peaceful. And so then he gives me a whole tour of all his, uh, like my last question to him, which I thought was pretty neat. He goes, I go, what, like, what mementos from your career do you have? And he goes, come on. And we did a whole tour of his house and it's like a museum. He's got every mask, every pad that he's ever had. But so we start talking about the teams that are interested in him. And, you know, I won't give too much away, but the one team I got the impression that he would, the only team that I got the impression that he would sign with the wild over would be the Colorado Avalanche. And as I'm driving back to the Montreal, 20 minutes outside of Montreal, all of a sudden the notification comes up that the, that the Avalanche traded for Georgiev. So all day I'm just waiting for him to sign the deal. And the one thing I did get the impression of is that he was going to take a two-year deal. So they give him the two-year deal, and then they announce this, and then we go down below the bowels of the thing, and I see George Bezos, his agent, and actually, a, another reporter alerted to me to this, and he's pretty hot. And we look around the corner, and who's out at? Is that, is that Bill Guerin? So right away, I'm like, wow. So Cam Talbot's agents ticked off. And then we saw the story that came out after that, that, that right. basically he was pissed. Well, and he can be pissed, but I, that was the greatest Billy Guerin quote of all time. Yeah. I don't care what the hell he says. He can say whatever he wants. Cam's under contract, and... We have the, the right the to sign, was, and, and yeah. but we have, they have the right to sign yeah. whoever they want, and I get it that yeah. Cam's disappointed. But I mean, number one, I will say I was surprised by Flurry. I I was wrong about. I thought for sure he would go to free agency. I yeah. 
I thought that he probably, although the dollars that Minnesota gave him is what I really kind of thought he'd probably get somewhere else. Yeah. I didn't think Minnesota would, would go to that level to keep him. I didn't think he was likely to come back. And yeah. so it was, I think it's a good signing for Billy. Gives him two years. Gives him a, a veteran guy next year when Cam's contract is up. That's a great signing for the Wild. Uh, maybe a hair more expensive than what he'd like to be. but And, and then to the Cam part, Look, I mean that you got to have two guys right now, especially guys that are at that age. And who knows what will happen at the end of the season? Play better than Mark Andre Fleury, and then you're the guy in the playoffs. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I think that's where it stems from. I mean, where his his feelings are hurt is that he felt down the stretch he was better than Mark Andre Fleury, and I'm sure deep down Cam thinks last right, well, year. I no, think yeah, that's true, but I'm saying do. going going to this, this year, year might be different. Right? You're. Yep. You guys are both here. You're both here from the start. If you play better, you'll be the guy in the playoffs. If he plays better, he will. Yeah. And the one thing, I mean, just talking to people around the league, um, talking to sources inside the wild the last couple days, um, Bill Guerin did not change his mind from this whole thing. Like, you know, the one thing that Bill would do is I think give him a one-year extension. I just don't think it would be at Flowers money, which I think probably irks the, the Talbot camp. I think that's what a lot of this is about is that you gave him one extra year here. You're basically spelling Cam leaving. So I think that, that, that I think, um, you know, that is something that Billy can sympathize with and was willing to give him a one-year extension. I just don't think the price is probably what Cam would want right now. Cam and Marc-Andre do get along. I mean, that's the one thing that sitting in, in you know, talking to Marc-Andre, he, 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 he absolutely respects this guy. And if you know the history of Marc-Andre, every place he's been, his partner has gotten along with him. And I'm sure Cam respects the heck out of him. But I think that Bill Guerin and the staff is pretty disappointed the way that this played out the last couple of days, his, his agent going public the way that he did, and, um, and all that stuff. But now the Wild have two goalies, one's 35 and 38, and Mark andre thinks that's a good thing to split next year because it's going to keep them both fresh. Well, think back to when the Wild signed Talbot. And this is kind of a similar year where there were a whole bunch of goalies and a whole lot of movement with goalies, but it's the Wild kind of got out in front of it. Yeah. And grab the guy they wanted first instead of taking a chance. And now as you see some of these other guys, look at the deal Georgiev got in Colorado. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who's never really proven himself as a number one, and he gets a three-year deal in Colorado about the same dollar, about the same AAV. And I, there just aren't a lot of sure bets out there. So I, I think this was the surest bet in Billy's eyes. I always tell people it's, as a sports writer, it's most important that I know just know how to spell the name correctly, and you just prove that with that it's pronounced Gorgiev. I would have never known. So anyway. Um, it, uh, well, some of us have to say the name. I know. That's my point. The yeah. broadcaster. Right. But you, have it, you can't spell it. Uh, yeah. That might surprise so, you. Um, uh, so... I think, it, you know, my gut says that this is all just going to be calmed down. It was very clear the last couple of days that because Toronto wanted Cam Talbot and the fact that they just acquired Matt Murray just shows you that that Gibbo Guerin was not was not going to, you know, um, was not going to cave here. He, when he said, you know, the quote was, uh, he's got a lot of thinking to do. And Bill Guerin said, I don't have blank to do. I'd say it, but there's two little boys in the back. Sorry. Yeah, I think they've heard it, but yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it was a great quote, but, uh, you know, I still wondered if deep down he'd start to think, you know what, maybe it makes sense to trade him, go sign a million-dollar backup, and go free up that money and go get a quality forward rather than, you know, like I have a list of guys that I have a feeling the Wild might go after. Right, but that, Did I leave it in the But there, there aren't million-dollar backups out there. That was the point I was making, yeah. is when you start to look at what these other goalies are getting – 
There aren't going to be quality million-dollar backups out there. Yeah. I can't believe. So I just, I think I, I lost that little piece of paper that I wrote down every player. That, <laughs> I'm going to have to go through this research again. I was just, oh, my God, I cannot believe. It. I guarantee I left it on the table. Uh, anyway. Um, so there we go. Um, that's a problem. So, by the way, I just got to tell you, so I walk in the, so I get to Flurry's place, and um, there's like, <laughs> there's just workers everywhere, right? He's putting in a dock, he's getting his like lawn mowed, all this stuff. And he's just waiting for me outside. And so we go in and, you know, like, you know, it's, it's like, I, I, you're still like, you're in Marc-Andre Fleury's house. You know, you're just kind of like, all right, how's this going to go? Is it going to be uneasy? I walk into the kitchen and he's like, can I make you a sandwich? You know, like, it was just typical, like, you know, we all know of Marc-Andre Fleury as like the nicest human being ever. And then he's like, do you mind if I eat? You know, like, you know, it's just so, it was just so funny. So it was just a really cool uh, situation to go there. By the way, again, um, we have beer specials uh, here. Uh, buy one, get one half off Grain Belt. And if you ask a question, you get a raffle ticket. We're going to give away some giveaways from Grain Belt after the show. Also, if you, um, if you uh, buy that buy one, get one half off, you get a raffle ticket as well. All right, let's talk about Kaprizov. Um, this is a tough, uh, tough uh, story to be working on. It's actually been uh, really anxiety-inducing because this is real-life uh, stuff. He's found himself in the middle of a political ping-pong. The bottom line is that he's still in Russia. The bottom line is that the Wild are working behind the scenes to try to figure out a way with his uh, representatives and attorneys to uh, get him another exemption to his military obligations. But obviously, this has been, uh, I think, a stressful situation, obviously for the Wild, but certainly for Kirill himself. Well, without a doubt. I, and again, I thought Billy's, I don't know if you saw it because you were at the draft, but they interviewed him on the draft on television and said, the question was, what can you tell us about, can you update us on Kirill Kaprizov? And he just said, no, I can't and I won't. And it, it's a really sensitive spot. There's yeah. no question. And, you know, this is what, this is why these guys were begging the Russian players not to go back to Russia after the season was yeah. over. Just because there is so much unknown, and it you just what can you trust? So I hope they get a, they figure out a way to work it out, but who knows? Yeah, we'll and what's really coincidental is that so July one, I I did that story on the Russia situation. I've been working on this since March. I I I, I don't know if everybody remembers, but I went down to the I skipped two wild home games. Um, and uh, Brian Murphy and Judd Zelga covered those games for me. And the reason why is I went down to Palm Beach and I got to cover the, um, to the GM's meetings with, at Palm Beach with uh, Pierre Lebrun. And obviously I was there to help Pierre gather and, and all that stuff to help shape his coverage. But I also went down there with a couple real good story ideas in mind. One was this Russia situation. One was the influx of scoring in the league. And um, so this story has been one in the making on the Russia situation for a while and there are a lot of GMs and people around the league that were really nervous about these guys being able to come back. And, um, and you know, again, like, just not knowing what's going to happen. But the other element of this story is that a lot of these Russian players and Europeans in general played last year without work visas. So the way it works is that when, when a, uh, you know, a, a foreigner essentially signs in the United States or Canada, in the United States you have to get a P1 visa, but if you're from Europe, you have to get a secondary visa, a P a work visa to play in the United States and a work visa to play in Canada. So a second visa. The team is responsible for getting every player the P1. The agents or in players themselves are responsible for getting the actual work visa. 
The problem is, is that all the consulates outside the United States right now are inundated and it's taking way too much time to get these work visas because of the pandemic and everything. So what the NHL did is made an exception with the US government is that, that these players would fly to Newark and as long as they've had a work visa before, they get a special stamp and essentially it was an honor stamp that eventually when you wind up in Canada with your hockey team, you'll make an appointment at the consulate in Ottawa or Calgary, wherever, and go get this work visa. And it just, it became a problem for a lot of Europeans. They'd go up there, they couldn't get an appointment fast enough. When you're up there, you have to surrender your, your, um, your passport. So teams are trying to do it from an expedited standpoint, make appointments months in advance, make sure we get done while it's there. And with a lot of players, including Kaprizov, their appointments happened to come when the Wilds schedule was completely screwed up in late December and January because of all the Canadian trips being canceled. And so it just never got done for Kaprizov. So that's part of the other issue, and there's a lot of Europeans like that, just not Russia. Fiala played last season without a work visa. So I think then after the season, a lot of these Europeans have played all season, decided I'll just deal with it in the summertime, and they went home because they didn't want to go to Canada for two weeks or an indefinite amount of point, a time, and, and play without the work visa. So, or, or surrender your passport and be stuck there. So basically what's going on is that a lot of GMs were already worried that these players wouldn't get back in the country. So that adds another little extra element to the military requirement issue that Kaprizov is dealing with. So the hope is, is that this thing will be rectified here in the next couple of weeks, or, uh, tone down the stories, and uh, hopefully behind the scenes it's just taken care of. Well, at least there's some time, yeah. but that time evaporates in a hurry. No doubt. In these kind of situations. And I, we saw it throughout the season last year, at least those of us traveling with the Wild saw it. I mean, there were delays at the border a lot yeah. with some of those guys and as they were dealing with all those those issues i'm sure the wild weren't the only ones in that spot but I mean, I've, I've read some stuff from other gms over the course of the summer saying we weren't allowed to tell our guys they yeah. couldn't go back to europe or couldn't go back to russia but man we begged them not to yep. and now we're now i talked to and i talked to um i talked to somebody for this story that i wrote on caprice the other day that um trying to characterize him without giving him away, but he's somebody that works with a lot of Russian players, and he told all his guys, do not go back, and they all just laughed at him. And he basically said in the story, they're not laughing anymore. And that, that's the concern here, is that you just don't know what's going on. I mean, this poor kid from the Flyers, now I don't know what he did, if he really did break the law or what, but he is in a naval camp right now. Like they, I mean, there's a lot of people that think he might even be in the Ukraine, right? Like nobody knows where he is. The Flyers are scared to text him anymore because they got they, they don't know who's controlling his phone. I mean, it is it's a bad situation. Um, when I was talking to Chuck Fletcher at the GM's meetings the other day, the f former Wild GM that's the Flyers GM that's dealing with this whole situation, I mean, he, he was nervous. Like, his lip was quivering talking about the situation. So it is a scary situation. So hopefully, from a Kaprizov standpoint, it's, uh, it's taken care of pretty soon. Anybody have questions? You want to come up? We'll start opening it up here. As we get questions coming up, I mean, the other thing we didn't really talk about, Middleton gets signed. That's yep. a, that was kind of a no-brainer. And it was – but he, the, the guy fit so well when yeah. he got here. It was – Getting knew married was, this weekend in Nashville. Yeah, and think he'll have teeth for the wedding? Yeah, I think he'll try. Um, this is – you know, to Middleton's – you know, this is a rags-to-riches story. I mean, this guy years ago literally had zero money and was, like, laying bricks and stuff. And now he's a $2.4 million hockey player in the National Hockey League. The last pick taken in his draft. Um, and he signed to this extension on the day one of the draft. And he was, he was so, 
it was, it was so apropos him signing that day because he said in our Zoom that, uh, you know, like he hopes that he could be almost an inspiration to these fringe players in the draft that are thinking like, oh, my God, I, had a, I just sunk to the sixth, seventh rounds. I got no chance to make it. And, and it is true. Teams, a lot of times, they'll invest in your first and second, make sure they're developed properly. And then if they hit on the fifth and sixth, seventh guys, they're, they're excited. You know, it's just like a, you know, a bonus. And, and so he's, you know, he's an inspiration. It's, it's crazy how many last picks have actually made it. You know, Patrick Hornquist, Kim Janssen, Hans Janssen, a lot of last picks in the NHL draft. Well, there's a lot of guys Sorry. who don't even get drafted yeah. who end up making it, too. So, yeah, but I just think it's a great story. And even you say rags to riches. I mean, he was rags even last still year. last year before yeah. arriving and played, what, 60 games prior to coming, and but sure fit in immediately and great guy. The guys love him mm-hmm. and, and really fits a need, fits a niche that the Wild just don't have elsewhere yeah. on their roster. So... It wasn't a surprise, but it's nice to have the deal done. Well, it's that time of year in Minnesota. We've already had some hot, humid weather this summer. If you're like me and like your home to stay comfy and cool all summer long, get a company you can trust, and that's Aquarius Home Services. With qualified trained technicians, guaranteed work, and upfront pricing, they'll ensure you stay comfy and cool all summer long. Take advantage of their July special, $65 off any AC repair, or if you feel like it might be time to replace your unit, get a new AC for as low as 55 bucks a month. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com and don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash Royal Challenge, insured by NCUA. Um, don't be shy. Come up to the mic if you have questions here. And uh, we'll talk about development camp coming up as well. I also want to talk to you about some other stuff. I want to talk to you about the Blackhawks rebuild. Um, Boy, isn't that something? Yeah. You know what I want to talk to you about too? Jack LaFontaine and him not getting qualified today. Um, but here, you lead us off here. And we're coming to you. I don't even know if I said this. We're coming to you from Elsie's in Northeast uh, Minneapolis here in a packed house as well. So appreciate everybody coming down. Thanks, you guys. Um, So from the perspective of this affecting European players in the EU, um, is there any risk or liability with Zuccarello or Eck in terms of their visas? And like, is that something the Wild are thinking about from all their EU nationals? No, so uh, those guys do have their work visas. In fact, I don't know if you remember when Erickson Eck um, signed with the Wild originally, he had to fly to Ottawa and he surrendered his passport. I don't know if everybody remembers. He was there for like a week, week and a half in the middle of the season to get him over here. Zuccarello's been on this five-year deal, so his work visa. So the way it works is that the, it goes for, I think, five years, sometimes the length of the contract, but at least five years um, as, you know, or the length of your contract. And the problem with Fiala is that he signs late last summer, right, mid-August, um, actually, I think it was about August 24th when that settlement came through. So he just never had time to get it done. And then same thing with Kaprizov was on the eve of training camp. So the Wild did their work on getting him a P1, but it's the actual work visa. They just got really unlucky that it was Kaprizov that... Exactly. Um, but, you know, this, the, but there, that's one facet of the story. There's the other facet of the story, too, of the military requirements, which have nothing to do with that. Yeah. Charles? How you guys doing? That's your TCU, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Go Horn Frogs. 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> I was wondering more in regards to the uh, practice coming up. We got Rossi and Beckman having teams. I think Rossi had an injury at the start of the summer that I think he rehabbed. Is he 100% now? To yeah, that was a, uh, a little uh, – I probably shouldn't say what it is. <laughs> uh, so that's what it was. Um, but, um, yeah, no, he's uh, completely healthy the way that I understand it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I heard already he, – they, they all reported yesterday and were in the workout room today. I heard he's in typical phenomenal shape. Um, and, uh, yeah, they'll be on the ice the next three days. A three-on-three tournament Thursday night should be real fun. And, um, look, you know, they, always, they keep on saying Rossi's got to earn his roster spot. I, I'd be beyond shocked if he didn't make the team. I mean, it's there for the taking for him. And um, and I think he'll, he'll, he'll get to take Not it. Not only a roster spot, but a lineup spot. Yeah. Is there... There right. to be had as long yeah. as he really, I mean, not that he hasn't put in the work, but yeah. he's got to have a decent camp. But I think right now they are banking on him grabbing a roster spot and grabbing a top six lineup spot. Yeah. Um, and that was but that one really th starts this week yeah. for him. Yeah. He's got to separate himself. Yep, exactly. And we, we talked to Dean Evison about this the other day. Dean, it worked out, I mean, all NHL head coaches come to draft, but Dean lives in Montreal, so it was easy. So we got him on the, on the first day of the draft, the beat writers. And, you know, he, there's going to be no easing in for Rossi. Uh, they're not going to put him on the fourth line and slowly work him up. I mean, he is going to start, um, it sounds, which is what we all assume, between Boldy and Goudreau or Boldy and Yost, um, Jost. Um, but, I mean, he might even see shifts with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. So they're going to give him every ample opportunity to make the team. Um, they're going to try, I think, six different guys with that line in camp. They have a bunch of preseason games this year. I think seven of them. Seven. Um, so uh, it, they're going to have just really great opportunity to see these guys, um, you know. And and Beckman's another one that might have a chance to make the team. Like, look, I mean, Jordan Greenway might not be ready for the start of the season. There's obviously usually other injuries that come in camp. So Adam Beckman's somebody that's going to have to come in for a roster spot as well. So, uh, you know, I think that's – this is a big – you know, he – just for them to give him Team Beckman and remind him that he's a big part of this organization, I think is very orchestrated by the Wild. Because remember last year, you know, he had a tough first year in Iowa. He goes back home. They didn't bring him up as a black ace. They just wanted him to get started as training. And for them to throw him that carrot, I think is just a reminder, like, hey, you know, we still think highly of you and at, you've got a real opportunity. This time last year, well, maybe not this time, yeah. but a month from now, he had had a great camp. Oh, yeah. Great really preseason. What, four goals and everything. So... So then you talked about, say, Rossi is the one center with Kirill and Zuki. Is he, or is Hartman going to get moved to a wing spot, or you think he's going to be a center still? You know, I, th I think that's, like, I think they'll start at center. You know, I did, the one thing that's clear is they're going to start Hartman with Capri and Zuccarello. I think they just feel like that would be the wrong message to, like, you know, why do it? Like, when they started last year, like, it was, what was it, Kaprizov, Erickson, Eck, and Bukestead or something? It was because that, right, they couldn't really find that, and Zuccarello wasn't ready for camp. They couldn't really find somebody to play center. So it was like, you know, all right, we're going to try Erickson Eck. He's earned it. But now, like, there's no reason to change that grief line at all. Um, and we've seen Beckman in that spot before on that line. So I just think it's going to be natural if Greenway is not ready to just start Beckman on that line, and then you just start with Hartman there. But I think that, you know, they're going to they're gonna mix and match it a bit. There's no doubt. Yep. Thanks. What's up? Nice shoes. Hey, thank you. Nice stash. Um, Hey, appreciate it. Um, I'm here representing uh, me and my boys in the Kirill Kaprizov fan club. Um, All right. I just want a question for you. I know you're going to talk about development camp here coming up, so I'm going to avoid that one. Um, knowing that Fiala's gone, um, 
I personally think that Matt Boldy has a chance to step up, and I think he can take his role in points and kind of be in that creative guy. What are your thoughts on that? And um, if you think somebody else could, um, besides Boldy, who do you think would take that that role, if anybody? Yeah. yeah. What do you think? I, I don't think any one person's going to, but yeah. I was just talking to Vinny, my son Vinny, about this because – He's very quick to point out there's no way Marco Rossi scores what Kevin Fiala did last year, and I don't think he will. But you add Boldy for a full season, and and that difference combined with maybe what Rossi brings to the line, I, I think there's a way to find and replace the scoring. It isn't going to be one. There isn't going to be one guy that scores 40 goals and 90 points. There just isn't. But maybe Boldy scores 30 and 70, or. 30 and 60 or something like that. And Rossi provides, I don't know what's realistic, 15 to 20 goals and maybe 50 points. And, mm -hmm. and now between the two of them, you've made up for some of that loss of Fiala. That's and, that's the way yeah. I think it'll likely. And the, the other thing uh, they're banking on this year, Anthony, is just to be better. They don't give up as many yeah. goals. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the one thing is that, like, you know, because they scored so much last year, it really hit some blemishes that they had definitely on the penalty kill, but, but defensively. And, and look, this is a higher scoring league, so a lot of teams gave up 2.7 goals a game, which you know years ago would not be very, it would be very middle of the pack or or bottom of the league. And um, so I think that that's the other thing that they're looking on is they're they're realistic enough to know that that they're just you know by committee. Every time I hear the term by committee, it makes me nervous. It's been this way for I've never seen a by committee work ever. So when when Dean said that the other day, which is the obvious answer, like right away, I'll like, oh, do it. But um. But the but the reality is if that if you do the by committee approach, but you cut a quarter of a goal a game, a half a goal a game, get better goaltending, kill a freaking penalty, score the odd goal, and not give up, you know, like I, on the power play, I'm saying, you know, if you improve your special teams, get better goaltending, be better defensively. Now you don't have to score yeah, as much as the Wild. This did is a last little year. different by committee because you've got a third line that's so different from what that third line can add some scoring. I'm talking about the Greenway, Erickson, Eck, Foligno line. Mm -hmm. So, and then you know what you've got with Kaprizov, Zuccarello on your top line. So your by committee might be a two-man committee mm -hmm. of Boldy and Rossi replacing what Fiala did. So I think it's possible. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think the easiest way to, to increase how you score is to give up fewer. Yeah. And no I think that's probably more likely to happen. You know what? It's funny uh, because of the, uh, to get back to, to, you or Charles, well, one of you that asked about the development camp, you know, Rossi and Beckman, you know, I'm like so focused on them. It's like, you know, part of me like just forgot, like, wow, I'm actually going to get to meet Wallstaff for the first time tomorrow. And um, that's going to be something that I'm really going to be interested to see this guy, you know, um, how, how good he is, um, because this is they, they are banking on the future. You know, this is why the Wild aren't going out and trying to get a goalie for three, four, five years right now. And, you know, is they're trying to, they're trying to time this where Flurry Talbot sort of become, you know, transitions to Wallstead. And, um, you know, it's going to be kind of cool to watch him. And then all these defensemen. I mean, you know, Faber's going to be there. Parrott's going to be there. O'Rourke, Hunt, all these guys. Um, it should be a really so those cool Those are the little, guys I'm actually yeah. kind of anxious to see. Are you going the next three days? I'm going to go tomorrow. Nice. Um, yeah, I'll be there tomorrow. So, uh, and I'll, be there definitely Thursday night. That's uh, going to be looking. Uh, your last hurrah before our European vacation. So, uh, yep. Any other questions? I'll make my way back up. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and great. remember, go uh, fill out a raffle yep. ticket. Will yep. do. Thank you. Yep. And uh, I'll see you Thursday. Nice. Nice meeting you. 
Um, question. <laughs> You've come to the right show. Yeah, if you right. Yeah. Um, Kaprizov doesn't play this year. Does that Just come a step a little closer yeah, to the mic. If, if Kaprizov doesn't play this year, um, does that count against the cap? Um, well, let's, let's not even go. Oh, God, it makes me nervous. Like, you just saying that made me, my heart skip a beat. But no, uh, the way I would understand it is it would, they would, it would not, you know. Huh? It would, they could... they, yeah, I mean, essentially the way it would work is he'd be suspended, you know. He didn't make it back. So. It wouldn't count against the cap, but it isn't like there'd suddenly yeah. be players yeah, out there that like could go sign. In October, right. they could sign $9 million worth of quality. Like, you know, like they're, you know uh, Johnny Goudreau is not sitting there in, in, you know, Six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. Do you know the reporter Garrett Joyce, by the way? There's a hockey writer in Canada, Garrett Joyce, and you look exactly like him. So, so um, I you might know and I know that. Faber, does he have a good chance to make the team this year? Faber? No, no, he's at he's, the U. He's, yep. He's going to be at the U all year. Yep, yep, yep. definitely. Yeah. Okay. But he's, but he's got a chance to help yeah. at some point. Yeah. yeah. Just real quick on that transition, like this Jack LaFontaine thing has bothered me all day. Like all day. Like – like, and I don't want to rip on this kid, okay? But I think it's, and, and, I, and I, you know, don't want to sit here and rip on the Carolina Hurricanes because I respect their GM. I respect a lot of people in that organization. But what a ridiculous thing that they even approached him to leave college in the middle, the middle of the, of the season, year right. because of a short-term pickle that they were in goaltending-wise. They sign this guy. He leaves his team in the lurch in the middle of a national championship team goes because he's got this NHL starry-eyes things in his, in his head. He plays one game, has a 7.2 goals against average, never plays again, and today they don't qualify. Like, like I just, you know, it was such, I don't know where he was getting advice to leave there, but it was just a stupid decision at the time. And I've got to think today, he is just regretting, like, wow, I just left a chance to, you know, be a, be a number one goalie in a potential national championship run. And now here I am, you know, yeah, who, and, and not like, who knows mention, if he ever, you know. We always talk about guys in the wild are really careful. Like, we don't want to call a guy up until we know he's ready because you can bruise a guy. You can, yeah. you can really destroy a guy's game by destroying his confidence. And I'm, I haven't watched him. I didn't follow it closely enough to see. But from what I've read, it sounds like he wasn't the same goalie when he went back to the American Hockey yeah. League later in the year and struggled. And you got to wonder, did a guy get shaken – so much by what happened to yeah, him when I mean, he was in the NHL. And I don't know if everybody remembers, they, they essentially signed them because they, were, they didn't have a goalie. Like, everybody was hurt. Ranta was hurt. Freddie was hurt. Their third goalie was hurt. And so that, I've never seen this in my life. Like, obviously, Oposo left in the middle of the year, but at least that's a forward. To, to pull a number one goalie out of the year, like, I, like and, and I, again, I don't want to rip on the kid because I've talked to Jack. He's a really nice kid, very intelligent. But I just cannot believe that, like, and I, I'm, the way I have been told is that his, his, his teammates were supportive of him and all that. But deep down, like, you leave in the middle, your number one goalie leaves in the middle of the year. Well, when you talk and then he gets one game, and you just send him to the minors, and now you don't even qualify him? When you talk to college coaches, and I've talked to them for years when I used to cover the WCHA back then, and they'd all say, look, if you're going to sign one of our guys, do it at the start of the year. Don't do it in the middle. And then if you're going to sign and jump to the National Hockey League, Don Lucci used to say, I'll drive you to the airport. But to leave in the middle and wind up in the American League just doesn't make any sense. You're playing yeah. in great arenas and, is, and great is, facilities yeah. and everything, and your development 
is just as good or better at that level. And I know he's been there a long time. I'm sure he's, you know, minutes away from graduating. But, like, this is still a student athlete. Like, I think it's a bad precedent for an NHL team to go to a college and treat him like a minor league player. You don't call up a player in college. I mean, it's just, it was a, just a, I don't know. This whole thing has bothered me today. Next. <laughs> so. Um, I have a question about Boldy and, uh, like, yeah. a bridge deal. Do you think that we would offer him a bridge deal during the season? Do you have a feeling that he would, like, take lesser money? Or will he wait out like Kaprizov did? Stuff no, like that? I, 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 I think that if it happened, it would actually happen in the next month or so. I think they would want to do it before the year. And they have a great relationship with his agents. Um, I ran into one of his, the so the, uh, his agents are the Bartlets. So there's there's Steve Bartlett, who's the patriarch. He's been an agent forever. He's one of you know just a great guy. And then his two sons, Scott and Brian. And so he's taught them well. There's great relationship between the Wild and those agents. Um, they are they are well aware of the Wild's cap situation. And if you're Matt Boldy, the only thing that makes sense is a bridge deal. Because Matt Boldy, to I think your friend's point, um, you know, th this guy, if he has a monster year in the next year or two, the, he, over a seven or eight year term that the Wild would want to give him, there's no way the Wild could give him that cap hit now. So the only thing that makes sense is a bridge deal. And so, you know, three years, two years, three million, three and a half, it could be a one of those, it could be a pretty whopping uh, salary still for a bridge deal. Usually bridge deals are, you know, kind of like the, like the old Jason Zucker one was like two-something. This one's going to be in the three, three-and-a-half, so it'll be a wild record bridge deal, but I think it's the only thing that makes sense. And if you're the wild right now, um, I think you have to get it done just to pencil it, to pen that number in so you know exactly now next summer what you're dealing with because, like, say they go to Dumba and say, we'd like to extend you but we can only give you four, four and a half. At least it's penciled in where he sees that they're not, they're not pinching pennies with them. That's all they could afford. So, you know, that, that'll be interesting. Yep. And don't forget to get your raffle ticket from Rain Belt. Question. All right. Hi. Hey, how are you? So you had mentioned that you thought the Wild had drafted well and that you had heard they had drafted well in general, but were there any other teams that had kind of surprised you with how they had drafted? Um, I don't know, surprise. I mean, I don't know how much you paid attention to the draft, Anthony, but I thought Arizona had a great draft. Seattle had an outstanding draft. Outstanding draft. Um, but I will, I'll admit, I mean, I'm probably like you, Anthony. Like, you know, at The Athletic, I get so spoiled with our number of incredible prospect writers and the way that we work at The Athletic is they write these stories and they attach it to the wild page that, you know, I just let that be the coverage. And so I wouldn't say that I'm uh, an expert on the draft at all. Just laughing at it, but the well, we the, just got online here. I, with, Sorry, the, I just—I mean, I—I I, I read a lot of the stuff that your guys wrote, and the guys who do know raved about what the Wild did in yeah. the draft, which is—I always trust those guys more than I yeah. would trust whatever I would read anywhere yeah. else. Jeff uh, Anthony is not an avid podcast listener. Shockingly, I'm, I'm not. No. Um, hates ours as well. Um, so, uh, I don't hate ours. I just don't, I don't listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, uh, Jeff Merrick on, uh, the 32 thoughts podcast, um, uh, he raved and he knows a lot about prospects and he is super intelligent, just great guy, a really close friend of mine. And he, um, went on and on about Judd Brackett and, uh, that the wild robbed the bank again. And after they get out of their, you know, three year cap jail, you know, sleep on the wild at your own peril. Like he just loves 
what the Wild have coming. Loves it. And, you know, they've got the goalie, we hope. And, uh, and certainly now they're building their forward prospect, you know, uh, pool uh, to go along with a really good defense prospect pool. Yeah. Any other questions? All right, cool. Everybody's so far away from the mic tonight. Did you, what did you do, uh, Brandon? Oh. Brandon's intimidating. Yeah. Here's one of my favorite human beings <laughs> oh. ever, Rebecca. That's nice. Yeah, Rebecca is um, a couple times, and she no- she's the first person to notice I walked in with, with uh, gas station coffee. She's a couple times left me um, before playoffs, little playoff uh, energy packs of coffee. I'll, like, go past security at the arena and, like, oh, you have a care package. And I look, and it's a note from Rebecca with all this cool coffee and coffee paraphernalia. Nice. And- all this stuff, and uh, so really appreciate you doing yeah. that, Rebecca. Did I start that trend? I know other people give you coffee. Yeah, now, now I get cigars. <laughs> nice. Soon I'm going to start getting like You're liquor. Welcome. Yeah. A <laughs> couple of weeks with the, uh, I'll be getting edibles now. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So. Uh, oh boy. The hard hitting question comes. Can you imagine Russo in. with edibles? I think they, I think they'd be, I think, I think they'd be perfect uh. for me. Don't you think that'd probably be the only thing that would calm me down? And coffee at the same time, though, so yeah. you'd be yeah, a nightmare. Yeah, like offset it. Yeah. So. Um, so I have a goaltending question. Uh, I'm not really a fan of either a goalie. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I like them both as humans, uh, but over the season, I was pretty unimpressed with both of them, just especially from January on. And, uh, so I think when Garen was saying he was gonna re- you know, try to bring everybody back, I was disappointed, uh, honestly, but, um, given... So the article you wrote earlier in the season about the change in save percentages across the league, et cetera, do you think, so I'm hearkening back to like uh, my constant theme during the playoffs was if we had 2016 Devin Dubnik, who St. Louis could only score one goal a night on, plus our team that can actually score goals now, we could win. Yeah. Uh, But it seems like um, with Darcy Kemper winning the cup, you don't have to be an elite goaltender to win the cup if your team scores lots if of Darcy goals If Darcy can win night. it, anybody can win it, is what you're saying? I mean, I was trying to be Minnesotan about it, but yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, Darcy Kemper um, had the third or fourth lowest, lowest save, save percentage, percentage in the last 52 years uh, for cup-winning goal. Isn't that crazy? Right. So my, my question, I guess, is, is this... Uh, a, a change in just the style of NHL hockey, and I we're kind of catching up to yeah. it. Like that's fans. how I feel. Like you know, that's the one thing. I think a lot of times Anthony and Anthony is uh, big into the analytics of the league, and um, and is well aware of these patterns. And so I'm I'm curious to think what what you think, Anthony. Like the one thing I I do think is that we all have to get it. Like when we when we look at these goalies giving up three four goals a game or whatever it is. Two and a half, two, three, whatever. Like, like I think we do have to remember now. This is sort of a different league. Like, look at this league this year. I mean, even Vasilevsky had a subpar regular season. This is, a, you know, the only two goalies that were like nine twenty-five and higher were Sorokin and Shesterkin, right? Yeah, and the league was. I think it was the lowest save percentage in, in sixteen years. Yeah, yeah, for the for the regular season. I think it was the 06 season was the last time it was. So it, the save, league save percentage was just a shade over ninety. So in past years, it used to always be 91. And we would always look at games and say, if our goalie stops 91%, the Wild win 80% of the time. Now the number's 90. So the fact that Minnesota's got a couple goalies who I think are a fair bet to get to 91, I just, I, I respect 
saying that you didn't think either one of them was great, but neither one of them was terrible either. Correct. And the, and I agree. I agree. The market out there was just going to be hard to replace one without expending a ton of money. And is is the current situation presumably because Wallstead's coming up, and in two yeah, years they expect I've, he'll yeah, be the backup yeah, at least. That's how I think. And. And I do think, you know, and I'm curious to what think about what you think about this too, Anthony, because I was thinking about it leaving Flurry's house last week. Is that, you know, I th I think that in the playoffs when we all were looking at Flurry as not playing well, is because he plays this spastic style that I think the defense had trouble getting used to. Um, and remember, the Wild practiced twice that, while with Flower on the team. I wonder now with a full training camp and a full season of him, now they get used to him. I mean, this goalie was a Vesna winner two, last season, meaning two seasons. Right, we like, couldn't score uh, on him. Same, on sti right, right. <laughs> same style that he's always played. So I just think that a lot of it is that this is how he plays, and you just have to get used to it. And I don't think they had time to get used to it because they didn't practice ever. And, uh, you know, I mean, do you agree with that? Or yeah, is that I, I think that a, was a little bit of a factor, and there's a difference for sure playing with him. And I don't think he was great yeah. on top of all that, but – he was the Vesna winner the year before, yeah. and you argue whether or not it was worthy, but he was. Yeah. So we're one year removed from being named the best goalie in the league. Three and a half million bucks seems like a fair price. Yeah. Totally. Thanks. Yeah, yeah you got the hard-hitting one coming next. Right. Nice. Yep. So, uh, so how, how old are you? I'm 12. 12. And what's your name? Jack. Nice. Do you remember your mom going viral many, many years ago? Do you know that story? Uh, yeah. You were like, how old would he have been? Like one? Five? Yeah. Your mom was like the most famous person in America for a little bit. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Front page of the Star Tribune. Everything. So cool. What's your question? Well, I have a question about like Russian players and stuff. Okay. So for the Russian players, it's obviously been very difficult to have them come over to the States and keep them in the yeah. States. So I was uh, wondering if NHL GMs should pri prioritize getting them or like... Avoid them? Avoid them. Or yeah. Like, well, should they focus... Question. Oh, holy crap. crap. Can what you write? an eloquent speaker. Yeah, can you write? Like, should if they... you want to write, you can take my job right now. Because... You can host Wild Live, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, I, it's a great question. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. I think if I was a general manager, I'd be hesitant. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, the problem is, you know, it's the give and take. It's like, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of these Russian players in the National Hockey League are special, special players. I mean, you know, I mean, they are so good. What you're hope for is like a lot of the Russian players that have just moved here permanently. Like there's a lot of Russian players in the league that do not go home. I think and it you, would just be really hard to decide whether to focus more on like geopolitical issues or benefiting your team with really good players. Yes, I agree with you. Whoa. <laughs> Holy mackerel, do you want this head, headset? <laughs> I'm afraid to speak right now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, to, to your point, though, it is tough. Like, I mean, Bill Guerin has openly admitted that he. He asked, I don't know, begs the right word, but he asked Kaprizov not to go. And Kaprizov lives there. He's homesick. His parents live there. His, his brother is his best friend. He hadn't seen his brother all year. So, like, it, it's just, you know, you can't make, there's no, nothing in the contract that could cause you as a GM to stop, to force your player to not leave. So you just hope that they're smart. My guess is that when we eventually see Kaprizov back, that we will see a very different player now. Like, he might, 
He's got a lot of friends on Fisher Island, like, you know, down in Miami. Like, my guess is that he's going to do what a lot of these Russian players do. Kulikov, Kucherov, Bobrovsky, all these guys is just not leave Florida um, in the future. And um, But it is. It's, it's a tough situation. This has been, even before this current situation, uh, players, you know, the Chuck Fletcher regime, which preceded uh, Pell Fenton, they didn't draft a Russian at all in seven years until Kaprizov. And the reason why is they've had so many problems of guys just bailing and going back or just having trouble coming over. And um, so regardless of everything that's going on in the world now, um, it's, it's a big issue. And so, um, you know, hopefully in a couple of years, we don't see that with Yurov. I mean, I think that we're going to see with Yurov that he wants to play here. It's so obvious. Like, like, you know, I mean, he seems like he's a cool cat too. He so. does. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do for a living? Journalism. Really? <laughs> Sports well, journalism? Or, you should or go into something like, where you speak, not where you write. So sport, sports journalism or like real journalism? Like, like real yeah. journalism? Real Not journalism? like me. Right, yeah. yeah. I don't know. No, you know, I mean, I, I really, I, honestly, I respect that. Like, we, like now more than ever, we need real journalists. And, you know, I, I was just telling somebody the other day, um, this is probably above your head, but I was watching this National Geographic yeah, documentary. I don't think anything yeah. you say but is I mean, going to be above of his like, head. I, I think that if you're going to watch this documentary, you should get permission from your parents. But um, there's this uh, incredible documentary on National Geographic called Trafficked. Anybody watch this documentary? It's nobody. You all have to watch this. It's like, it's like there's probably 14 episodes, and it's a woman, Maria Van, she's from Portugal, right? She is a real journalist. This woman embeds herself with, you know, um, every, like, uh, um, every, everything, you know, drugs, uh, cocaine dealers. Um, oh, I did see yeah, some of that. It's on. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Gun, and the like, fact that they let yeah, her in yes, is bizarre. Um, yeah, like, uh, it's, it's unreal. Like, um, scammers, um, it just, it, like, tiger poachers. I mean, it's, it's unreal. And, and I, I'm just in awe of her and her, her courage and everything like that. And I feel that way, you know, sometimes, like, you watch real journalists, you know, people that get up in the White House, people that get up, like, those, like, um, investigative journalists, like we have at The Athletic, like Katie Strang, and I'm just in awe, and, and I always laugh at when people call me a journalist. I'm not a journalist, you know, like, I'm a, I'm a sports writer. So, last couple days, I feel like a journalist. And, and I, I, like, there's another good example to your point is like um, like of like me writing about real life stuff right now with Kaprizov. Like it's been hard to sleep the last two three days. Like every word I write, I'm nervous about. Like what are the repercussions? What's getting aggregated in Russia? Um, you know, uh, you know, like am I putting this kid in a harm's way by letting people know that he did try to flee the country? Like stuff like that. So um, it's been a lot of stress lately, and I don't know how actual journalists like. You know, every single day when they're writing about stuff that actually matters in the world, not about hockey. Not the pups. Wild's power play. Yeah, exactly. Like, isn't it funny? Like a lot of times when you're covering a team, Anthony, and you you think you're covering the most important thing in the world. Oh, the Wild's penalty kill is at freaking sixty-five percent. The play, and like you realize, all right, in the grand scheme of life, that actually means nothing. Doesn't matter much. Yeah. So. Well, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, man, you are gonna make it big. Good for you. Yeah, you have a great role model in your mom and your dad. So that's awesome. Yeah. And go, uh, go, go study up your mom's viral moments because those are the most impressive things I've seen. So, awesome. 12 years old. You wow. should just win for having the best question. Maybe in the history of the podcast. How much do all of you feel like a lesser person right now after <laughs> yeah. listening to that? 
Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. If you're thinking about selling your home, now is the time. Now you can get a strong cash offer, sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer with Chris and Dahl Real Estate. Don't worry about the hassle of a constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindahl today. Go to chrislindahl.com, fill out a quick form, receive an all-cash offer on your home today. No obligation, and the guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home hassle-free. That means no showings, no open house, no stress. Just choose when you want to move, and you will close with confidence. The Wall Street Journal named Chris Lindahl Real Estate the number one real estate team in Minnesota and Wisconsin for closed transactions. The Chris Lindell Real Estate Guaranteed Offer keeps you in control. It's that simple. Go to chrislindell.com to get a guaranteed offer in your home today so you can start packing. Certain restrictions apply, and disclaimer has to be included. Brandon, Anthony, tell us about Kowalski's. Well, Kowalski's has added a new line of steaks that's outstanding, uh, prime New York strip steaks, sirloins, boneless ribeyes that are all 40-day aged and prime. It's the beef that's that aged undergoes a, a transformation because it is held at a specific temperature, and that really allows the flavor and tenderness to maximize. I've tried a couple of these. We had a we had a Denver or a Kansas City strip the other night, and I've tried their ribeyes. They are phenomenal. They're right up there with the Akaushis that I love so much. So give these a shot at Kowalski's. They're the 40-day age prime steaks, and they are terrific. You won't be disappointed. Any time that you're going to have a great meal. You got to start with the best ingredients. So, how a, do you follow this up? I'm a decade older and I feel like I'm going to be a decade dumber. <laughs> um, my question is a little bit of a step back just to keep you guys on your toes. Um, but I want to talk about Jack McBain, but not so much the situation with Jack McBain, but the NHL's rules around draft rights. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen people like Butcher, Alexander Kerfoot, Jimmy Vasey, who essentially kind of wait. And then they get their pick of the litter when mm-hmm. it comes to like free agency. And I guess I'm just curious kind of what your take is on how the NHL handles that, if you think there's room for change there or, or what your thoughts are. Well, I'll tell you, their system's a lot better than baseball. Yeah. Baseball, the, the guy only has to wait a year. And if he just sits out for a year, then he go, goes back in the draft. So, I mean, I think you have to allow those guys a chance to go somewhere else, if they if it truly just isn't a fit, it's unfair to say whoever drafts you owns your rights forever. So I I think the system's pretty good. And there's ago, the, the guys you yeah. just threw out. I mean, yes, those guys are all. And Jack McBain might end up being a good player, but you're talking about a handful of guys. Most guys wind up signing with the team that drafted them at yeah. some point. Um, there were a lot of people that thought that that's why Faber had to be traded out of L.A. when he did not. Sign this year. I think the Kings said, "Uh oh, his heart's in Minnesota. He's just going to wait to sign with the Wild." And I think that was a big reason why they decided to trade him and not not risk it any further. And there's been other cases like that as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, years ago when I first started covering the league, 
players really had no rights. I mean, if you were European and you didn't sign, the, the team that owned you owned your rights forever, ever. I mean, you never became a free agent. College kids, I think it was like 10 years. It was, it was crazy. So that's the reason, the genesis of this rule. Um, you know, back, back when I started covering the league, you were a free agent at age 31 or 10 years pro, an unrestricted free agent. And now it's seven years or 25, uh, or 27 or seven years. That's why guys can be, like Fiala could become UFA at 25, that type of thing. So the rules have gotten a lot more, you know, a lot more uh, kinder to the players. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and I think, I think Anthony's point is right, is there's only a handful of them. But yeah. I think if there's a resurgence in kind of college, a lot of more hot shots coming out of college, do you see the NHL kind of adjusting to that and saying, well, if these guys play more than – a couple of years here in college, they're gonna, they're all gonna be free agents, and the the market's gonna be flat. I, I yeah, I don't think they're gonna, um, you know, and I think the most guys realize that they want to play for their team and not pick. Look, you can't do. I mean, look at Mikey Riley, right? I mean, it was a little different situation, but he forced his way out of Columbus, winds up on Minnesota, thought that he was gonna have this incredible career in Minnesota, and what what's happened? He's finally years and years later, multiple teams. Uh, finally become a mainstay on the Boston Bruins lineup and a $4 million hockey player. But I think a lot of people are more Jimmy Vesey, you know? Um, I mean, Jimmy Vesey, you know... The first year scored 20 or 25 and hasn't done anything since. You know, not everybody's like Adam Fox and and those type of guys, so... Thanks, guys. Yep, yep. We'll be wrapping up the show any minute here. Barb seems like a great person to end the show with. So, question. Yeah, mine's pretty simple. That's not Barb if you're listening at home, by the way. Our, our, play, our uh, penalty kill is pretty good, but our penalty scoring is uh, pretty rough. Let's put it to you that way. Is there any chance that they're going to trade a player to help improve that? Well, um, you know, if I didn't lose that list at dinner, um, I'd give you a list of a bunch of names that I think that they might go after. Um, I think that they're probably going to go after a bottom six forward that's a penalty killer um, and probably go that route. Now, I do think – so. Right now, I think that's the route they're going to go is try to get a penalty killer in, in free agency. Um, any trade that they make most likely at this point would be to get for futures to clear cap space. So I don't think that they'd be trading unless it's dollar in, dollar out type players. So, so um, you know, the guys that I had that I remember off the top of my head are uh, like Colin Blackwell was very intriguing to me. And these are going to be the guys that it's probably going to be like, like a Johan Larson. Two guys that I had on my list that I think are going to be too expensive were Tyler Mott and, and – uh, Zach Aston Reese. Um, who else? I mean, uh, I mean, Darren Helm is really intriguing. To yeah, me. but I think the I think more importantly is that they're going to have they're going to make some changes on their in their systems without That's a doubt. That's what I was wondering too. And, if the, the coaching was going to make yeah. some changes. I'm telling spent you, a lot of time yeah. outside. They've spent not a near ton. The of, they've spent a ton of time on that yeah. this off season. And I ran into yeah. a couple of our coaches at a, at a couple charity golf events earlier and had a chance to chat with them a little bit. You'll see some changes in the way they attack on the penalty kill. They know they had to do something differently, and I think there'll be, I think yeah. you'll see some noticeable changes. There. They've looked at a lot of power plays and penalty kills and tried to take pieces. You know, unfortunately, they can't take the McCars and the Kinnons, actual personnel. But um, I will tell you, I mean, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm giving any trade secrets out, but Bill Guerin challenged the coaching staff after the season and said, you have to coach better on the special teams. And Dean Evison gave tasks, as he called it, to his assistant coaches to work on all the second half of May and June. And then during development camp, that is what they are doing right now. They are planning their systems for special teams coming up. So, yep. Barb. 
I have two questions. <laughs> um, um, just what what was your opinion of of them not drafting a center in the first round? I mean, you know, uh, I trust Jed Brackett more than I'm just going to grasp that they need to draft a center. So, um, you know, they have Rossi, they have Huznadinov. Um, you know, if they just felt that Yurov have Erickson Eck. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, if they if they trust that Yurov and and um, and Liam are are better players than the centers are on the board, I don't think you reach for a crummy center if you think these are two dynamic players. Yep. And then, um, what do you think of the Fiala trade? Um, Anthony, what's your, your? I mean, this is what I thought they'd get. Yeah, uh, picking I, a prospect. They got for a guy that everybody in the league knew they were going to trade. They got a fair return, and that that's about the best you could do. They, yeah. they weren't going to get more than that. And he, you know, look, uh, I think that at the end of the day, Bill Guerin allowed his agents to talk to a couple teams. And those teams want to know if he was going to sign long-term. And my gut says that even though maybe New Jersey and Ottawa are interested, that, that Fiala made it clear he wasn't signed there long-term. That's just, just total speculation, educated speculation. And I just think that L.A. was the team. And they, there's no doubt they like Brock Faber a lot. Um, I do think he's met dumb insurance if they leave. You know? And so, um, you know, again, uh, I would have loved that in that trade to try to get a center or a forward. Um, but they like Faber. I mean, I think they probably had an actual, I think they did have a choice of a forward on that team and chose Faber over him. So. All right, so we are doing, uh, so Anthony and I leave Friday for Europe. We are going to do a podcast before our flight. So we might be a little distracted, by the way. Um, uh, so we're going to do a, uh, like a free agency rap podcast and uh, look to what we should expect. I am bringing my podcast we'll do one equipment. From uh, Europe we're going to do one That'll from Europe. We're going to probably sit in a hotel bar somewhere and have people around us. Uh, that'll be fun for all of us. And then we're going to do one, I think, July 31st. And then uh, we're going to have a couple live shows in August and uh, probably three in September to make up for the fact that I've been gone uh, so much here recently with the playoffs. But uh, this was a fun show. Thanks for all of you for coming out. Thank you. Um, Great and thanks to Anthony. Um, and here's our sponsors. <laughs> Got to do some editing, uh, Brandon. I forgot probably the most important thing of the podcast. Thanks to all our awesome, awesome sponsors. Uh, thanks, of course, to the Tuttle's Restaurants uh, and having us out here to Elsie's today. Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Royal Credit Union, Kowalski's, Bosch Law Firm, and Chris Lindahl. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner So sport, sports journalism or like real journalism? Like, like real yeah. journalism? Real Not journalism? Like me. Right, yeah. yeah.